I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts over one hour. It is the 24th of October and really pleased to be with you today. Uh, I'm also pleased to welcome our guests in studio, Nathan Somasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Good afternoon to you, Goro Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. You know it's going to be a good show when we've got these guys together. In particular, Nathan, you're chomping at the bit, aren't you? I mean, these are pretty wild times out there. Is the Fed pivoting? God, I, look, every time I'm coming, I go, it's an interesting time, and then it gets even more interesting. I mean. <laughs> Who, who could work this out? I mean, Bank of Japan is going after the currency market and the currency market turns around and said, huh, we'll take you on. And, you know, the U.S. went after the oil market, you know, cartel, and OPEC turned around and said, well, we'll take you on. It's, it's just, you know, it's on for the young and old. It's, it's, it's out there. Yeah, okay. And, uh, Gaurav, are you looking through currency wars, talk of a Fed pivot? Are you unflappable? Always, indeed. <laughs> The difficult, well, the, the key to making decisions and investing is discerning what's important, what's not important. Mm-hmm. You know, most people can get to the right answer um, given the information, but the important thing is to find out what's the, what's the worthwhile information to absorb and what's, what information should you let, let pass. I think most of the stuff that's flying at us right now, we can let pass. There are lots of stories and lots of narratives flying around. Currencies are moving, commodities are moving. But things always move. There's always volatility. There's no perfect time to invest. If you find a perfect environment to invest in, that should be the time to be selling because that's when everyone else will be in. That's when prices will be high. That's when risks are probably at their highest. So look, I don't. This is certainly not panic stations. But the 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 one fact to take away from everything that's happening is that monetary conditions have been loose for a long time, and they are no longer loose. The world that we knew has changed and we have to invest differently. I, I think when we, at Intelligent Investor, Investor, we've been talking about cash flow yields. We're looking for businesses with big cash flow yields. We're trying to get our money out of, of companies as fast as possible. And I think that ought to be in people's thinking. I think this ARR at 30 times, you know, 25 times revenue, X times gross mm-hmm. profit, this is all jargon from the last market and it's not going to work anymore and we have to adjust. Okay, let's see if we can find some of the jargon-free investment opportunities today. Now, I will run you through the companies on the list. Illumina, Credit Corp, Clean Away Waste, uh, Eboss Group and New Hope Corporation. It's trading ex-dividend today. That's just in the first half hour, but we always kick it off with our stock of the day, don't we? And today, South 32 has cut its annual coal output forecast, citing a double whammy from a workers' strike over pay and an extended long-wall move at its Appin mine. However, it has finalized a new enterprise agreement uh, at Appin since the end of the quarter with a term of four years to 2026, so that helps to plug those workforce disruptions. It also says that it expects to produce 7 million tonnes in total coal production for the year. And that's compared to um, you know 7.4 million that it forecast previously. All of its other production guidance for fiscal 2023 remains unchanged. So, Gaurav, I'll start with you, because I mean these companies are generating a lot of cash right now. Although South 32, you know, admitted today that its its um, cash generation will be weaker. Yep, um, South 32 is one of the few genuine conglomerates in the in the mining space. You can argue BHP and Rio are those, but there are uh, one or two commodities that really drive performance. Whereas with, with South 32, it's, it's quite evenly dispersed between a, a range of commodities. Now, one of those is coal, and prices are very high, but production is, has been um, hampered at their um, Illawarra mine. And they've hinted, or I think they've done more than hinted, in fact. I think they've actually announced that that mine will close eventually. They won't be investing new capital. So it's not a surprise to see uh, less resources going into labor mm-hmm. and potentially 
uh, lower supply coming from there. Um, that, that is what's happening across the industry writ large. What's really driving the price at South 32 at the moment is what's happening in the aluminium complex. We've seen energy prices just um, soar um, across the globe and aluminium, many people know it as manufactured energy because it is one of the most energy intensive processes uh, you have um, in, in the modern world. And so there's a lot of supply um, just starting to fall off in alumina and aluminium. Um, the margins are being crunched across the industry and um, that's impacting South 32 as well. So there's a lot of pain being felt across that sector. For a lot of people that might seem scary, for me, that, that, those are the pangs of opportunity. Um, you know, you only get a chance to, to buy mining assets cheaply if mining prices are low. You don't get to buy, well, unless it's coal, you don't get to buy high prices and, and at low equity values ordinarily. And, and I think um, South 32 is interesting today, but it's not quite a buy yet. We've doubled our money, um, bought and sold twice now over the last um, eight ye or years or so at, at South 32. And it's a company I really like. I, I rate management. I, I'm on the record as saying it's the best um, management in global mining. Hmm. And, uh, and I think they, the management has reformed that portfolio, which is a much better business now than when it's split from BHP. And I think it's going to get better over time. But the price is just not there for me yet. A long-term investor can probably still buy from here and do fine. But if you're going to buy capital-intensive cyclical mining stocks, you want to buy them very cheap. South 32 is not quite there yet, polled. Okay, Nathan, when in the cycle would you be willing to buy South 32, or is it today? It's actually, I mean, Graves, right, it, it is a cyclical stock. So you, you've got to understand the whole cycle of where we are, and the market is starting to appreciate the whole global recession play. Um, I mean, we got our, what, the Australian PMI came in today, where the manufacturing and services in contraction. Um, so it just tells you, and we are probably better placed than most other countries, especially in the developed market. So that just tells you where we are in a global picture. So demand's going to be weaker, uh, and commodities w tend to struggle, and that's going to play out. South 32, without a doubt, it's in the top five diversified miners. You've got BHP Rio, then you've got South 32, IGO, Minres. Minres. Exactly. <laughs> don't worry, I was going to mention yeah, that. Yeah, don't I, I know that you one. would jump in if I didn't. <laughs> uh, so these are the guys that you look for when, when you have a bottom in the resource cycle. You just buy those ones because they cover so much of your space and eventually they'll come through. Cost pressures are obviously in play and that's hurt South 32. Um, again, um, you know, we've been out of miners mainly because of the recession cycle that was going to come through. Um, and that's, you know, hit some more than others. I mean, copper is down more than gold yeah. over the last 12 months. Yeah. And you don't do anything without copper, whether it's electric cars or building houses. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So that just tells you where it is. So we're looking for those indicators. They're not moving yet, so I'm not jumping in. But this is in the top five mining stocks that you buy in our market. So it's definitely interesting. And Graves right. If you're a long-term investor, you can start nibbling because you've got the discount to play with. But I think it goes lower, so I'm waiting. But yeah, look, this is a top five mining stock, so you just can't go away from it. I'm just... So Graham Kerr mm. has been leading South 32 since October 2014. You mentioned amongst the best management, if not the best management globally in terms of a mining company. Mm. Do you know, are there any succession plans? I mean, we're now 2022. Does that start to become a little bit of a question to you when you've seen leadership being expressed for that length of time? He gave hints of being a very good manager because Graham Coe was an executive in BHP mm -hmm. and he was in, in the running to get the CEO job at BHP. And one of our um, telltale factors is when you get a frustrated wannabe CEO who doesn't get the job and then goes to a smaller business, it's not just a job for him. He's got something to prove mm -hmm. um, and it becomes a mission and not just an occupation. And I heard Graham Kerr speak at the IPO of South 32 and I could hear that from him. You know, this was, he had, he had, a, he had something to prove. Yeah. He'd missed out on the top job. Um, he believed in these assets. They represented 3% of BHP's profits, but um, run independently, there's so much you could do with them. I, I think it was such a great opportunity at IPO. I don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. Mm -hmm. He's okay. still relatively young. He's got a lot of support from the, the board and from investors. He's done such a good job. Um, I'd be surprised if he left. Um, it'd be a negative for me if he left, but there's a good team around him as well. So this is, a, this is not just a one-man show. There is a good technical and operating team here. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to stick with management okay. for a while. Uh, I like it. Interesting. Thank you, guys. Now, 
Let's get to the first company picked by you, Illumina AWC. This is from David, and he has a question specifically for Nathan and Gaurav. So what is the commodity price index that Illumina Limited tracks? Do you think we're approaching a cyclical low in the sector and hence a good time to buy? I think you almost touched upon it previously, Nathan. Illumina. Yeah, look, uh, again, one that I looked at and said, damn, this is cheap. Mm -hmm. It's come back a long way. And you, you know, it is a good quality business, but the macro is against it. Uh, you've got demand worries, and then you've got high energy prices. And I mean, there's a lot of production in, in Europe getting into trouble because of the energy prices. Mm. And I don't think that's going to go away. So this is, it's in a tough cycle at the moment, but that's what's interesting because as Grove said, these big miners are being managed as well as they have been for a long time. So these things, when they come back this hard, it's you're trying to pick the cyclical low. So we're, we're getting close. I mean, in this one, I think we're getting close because the energy prices have almost beaten out the last bit of people, you know, what I call hopium. Uh, optimistic people out of the market. So I think it's pretty close there. I would actually say that most of the bad news is in here and I would start to nibble. Um, I would probably look at over the next two to three months, I would gradually build my position in AWC. Um, I think in the short term, expect the news to be a bit patchy and, and we know a lot of the bad news, but I think still will remain patchy and geopolitics is not going to help. But then we know that and it's priced for that. It's, you know, so there are certain parts of the mining sector I think it's quite interesting and this is one of them because it's a cyclical it's been beaten up everyone knows the bad news will be patchy and then it'll recover so if you spread your buying over the next two to three months I think you're picking up pretty close to the bottom and in 12 to 18 months you should be doing quite well. Gaurav makes sense to you? Yeah I would agree with, with most of that um, this is one of the most unusual and difficult miners we have on the market I think it often gets misunderstood or ignored altogether because it's not mm -hmm. really a business. It's a, the sole asset of Illumina is a 30% stake in a larger business called AWAC, which that is- That AWAC joint venture we always talk about in relation to Alcoa. That's the right way to think about it. That's definitely the right way to think about it. Um, it's, and, and AWAC is the largest Illumina and aluminium business um, in the world. Well, there might be some bigger ones, state-owned companies, but anyway, it's, it's a large Illumina aluminium business and um, they operate some of the lowest cost highest volume, highest quality assets in the world um, with integrated um, ports, transport, energy facilities. It is a really high quality business. Um, aluminum and aluminium, of course, we've discussed, very energy intensive, very high capex. Not the kind of business, it's not, it's not iron ore that spits out a lot of free cash flow often, but you can buy this sensibly at points of the cycle as long as you sell sensibly at other points in the cycle. I think this is this is good buying today. Um, it's a buy for, for me, um, it's, it's a buy for, um, at our research service. The funds own a little bit of this, but we haven't taken full position yet. I actually agree with Nathan that this is a time to go slow, um, not just with Illumina, but generally, if you're buying stocks right now, and I think you ought to be buying stocks right now, I just think you should go slow. Whatever you're doing, if you're selling, sell slow. If you're buying, buy slow. This is not the time for, to be a hero. Um, so it's a, it's a slow buyer for me. Um, but but uh, there is value on offer here. Um, okay. I will say that the, don't be surprised to see the next result be an absolute shocker. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to pay a dividend, um, which is a big driver of this of this stock. You get a you get really good cash rewards in this business. It generally pays very high dividends. You're probably not going to get a dividend um, next year, and um, that could see the stock go down further. But over time, I think you'll see good returns coming back from here. Okay, so we've got a nibble and uh, we've got a buy slow. I think that slow might buy. be a new one, a slow yeah. buy. Okay, <laughs> I will add that to the list. Okay, how are you going? Um, I'll tell our viewers, Grubbs, yeah. like injecting coffee into his bloodstream right now. He's yeah. up late with the cricket. Yeah, you so still with us? I, I'm here. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, bit crusty. My, my voice is a bit crusty. Oh, it's all right. I'm just having fun. All right, let's get on to Credit Corp Group. So switching sectors. Um, yeah, this is for Gary. Hi, Gary. I hope you're watching or listening, however you choose to, to consume the call. And just remember that this is information only, so it's not personal financial advice for you. But uh, that being said, Credit Corp, I think it's just finished its its acquisition of Collection Houses, correct? It, it bought some of Collection Houses um, assets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of its ledger book. Um, this is a terrific business. Uh, it's been on our buy list for, for a little while. I'm trying to remember, I don't think we own it in the funds just yet, but it's certainly on our list of things to look at. Um, I actually think it's a buy at the moment, Nadine. This is... Um, 
I think most people understand this business. It's a it's a, it's a it's a business that buys uh, bad debts mm -hmm. for for a couple of cents in the dollar, and it tries to collect as much of those debts as possible. And it's built up a whole infrastructure for collection, so it makes a lot of sense for people who don't have that infrastructure to sell them um, bad debts and get a little bit of money, and then these guys put that infrastructure to work and collect even more money, so they make the difference. So the key to this company, key to success, is to buy ledgers well. It's a comp it's a business, an industry, in fact, that invites um, greed, hubris, and ambition, and it punishes all those qualities. And you've seen a lot of its competitors go bust. Um, Collection House, you mentioned one of them, um, looked like it was doing terrific for a long time until it didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in this industry. You, you look like a, a hero for a long time. You, your results are really in your discretion because you get to choose when to buy, when to allocate capital, and you recognize those profits upfront. So you look really good until you don't. And your risk management practices are absolutely vital. Over a long period of time, management at Credit Corp have shown sensible risk management. Um, really good capital allocation. This is the kind of business that um, I think ought to do well in a difficult period where they get access to um, a lot of uh, bad debts. Um, it, it can be a counter-cyclical mm -hmm. um, exposure and, and I think you, you should be able to, you might, this might go down, I think you get a shot to buy this a little bit cheaper, but I reckon you should be nibbling at this straight away. Um, it's a really good quality business. Okay, you guys have been agreeing on everything. Oh, no. Nathan hates it. Thank God hates for it. that. Um, oh, look, let me disagree. Yeah. Um, credit card management is great. Got no problems. But we're talking about it's a shocking sector, right? And these guys are really good at holding their ground. And that's, you know, you're trying to pick the best house in a crap street. Why? Um, it is a, basically a play on the economy. Um, so in a bad economic cycle, they struggle. This, you know, this is the easiest one to short through the, the last year against banks because simply because they're much more on the forefront of how they affect plays through um, I think it struggles um, I think it struggles for a while because it, you have to remember its business is now predominantly in the US that's where the growth is coming from mm -hmm. and US economy will struggle I mean Bloomberg um, model came out 100% recession risk mm -hmm. in the next 12 months we've been looking at saying US is going into recession for a while um, we see U UK and Europe going into recession first and then dragging US down and in that cycle this struggles uh, because you're buying debt and you're assuming you will collect some and that part of that will continue to struggle. So the market will punish it. I don't think people are going to get excited. This is the one of the great stocks to buy for economic cycle. So when it bottoms and the economy is starting to recover, you go, you know, you throw the kitchen sink at it because the management is good. They can turn it around and you can do well. They're not going to go bust, but they will underperform till then. So, you know, you're picking 20 stocks. This should not be in your top 20. Um, great management, great business, just tough in the market cycle. Yeah, I disagree with that. Uh, it's, it's in the downturn. That's when you get a chance to buy cheap ledgers. But see, nobody actually, if, if you look at the historical performance, right, nobody pays um, credit to people doing the right thing because it's just a cycle. They just throw it out. And people afterwards will look at the recovery in the numbers and then chase the stock. And the thing is, the stock is down 50%. It goes a lot lower in previous cycles because it is so exposed to the economic cycle. So yeah, you have to remember, two of their competitors have gone bust. Sure. They are now the last man standing in Australia. You're right to point out the US. It's it's a it's an important point. They're growing there. There are some competitors there, but they have um, such a good track record. I would back them in the US. Oh, look, I don't collecting have collecting the debt. Um, yep, collecting yeah. the yeah. debt, and also, but more more important than collecting, that's the easy part. It's buying, buying the stuff the right sensibly. Price. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah is the hard it, part. It was yeah. stupid here because people who were going bust were bidding it up. Yeah, bidding it up. And, that's and right. they stayed yeah. out of out of it, and that proved to be the right call. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I have no problem with management. I think they are <clears> great <throat> management. I just think it's really tough, and I think the risk is too high. It's so, one of those companies where what you say no to is more important than what you sure. say yes to, and saying no to management or incentivize for growth is really really hard. So yeah. once you've found good management who can who can act sensibly, um, they can do very well. Like, you're right about the industry in general, but I think this top stock specifically has a history of doing much better than anyone else because they have that really strong management. Yeah, but you're comparing it to people who are going bust. Yeah. <laughs> less, comp less competitors, Nathan. That's less true, competition. That's true. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. And Gary, who, uh, who you listen to is up to you, but do your own research as I started out by saying. All right, let's get to the next one on the list, Vic. Hope you're out there. This is Clean Away Waste Management. I'm going to start with you, Nathan. Oh, look, defensives in, in this market, 
um, have been um, you know bitted up and mm -hmm. I think for the right reason um, clean away is it's a sector where uh, I think I, I like the way graph puts it it's a reverse lottery mm -hmm. it does well most of the time you have a very small possibility of something big, big going on <laughs> yeah. and that's and that's the problem with some of these defensives because the defensives are not always defensives there are certain level of cyclicality in them there's a certain level of risk in them and when it goes wrong you get hammered mm -hmm. so you want to buy the discount and clean away it's as good as it is it's very hard to work out the risk mitigation in the model when it goes wrong it can go seriously wrong so for me I tend to look at sectors where I can judge when things are going well and things are going badly I have some kind of a leading indicator that gives me that I suppose confidence that this sector is doing well or the margins are going to hold and the risk is under control mm -hmm. but when I can't measure that and it comes out of left field it's too much of a risk and for me you know in, in uh, I suppose the waste management business you just don't see it coming when it goes wrong it comes out of left field and it's some contract somewhere someone's done something there's a fire and then you find out there's some issues blah blah you just don't know and the business gets priced as if all of those operations are going to function you know in a very good condition for a continuous period of time and I think that's where you have to look at what you can measure what you have uh, advantage of over the market to invest mm -hmm. I don't see I have an advantage on clean away so I, I'm not paying for it it's not cheap um, I think it's come back a bit but that's risk return in the, with where the yields have gone I think the multiple should be lower so in that context, I don't think it's cheap. And because I can't work out when it goes wrong, I try and stay away from those. Too hard basket, essentially, is, yeah. is the takeaway. I can't measure it, so I stay out. Is he being a bit wimpy there? I reckon the market gets this wrong a lot. Mm -hmm. I think this, this is one of, the, one of the companies that I think, along with, I'm going to call out Toll, which I think the market gets wrong, mm -hmm. overly optimistic about that. They don't realize that there are limits on the concessions, and you have to reprice those concessions at the inner limits. This is another one they get wrong. I've seen this described as, as resilient, high quality, mm -hmm. recession proof. Yep. I don't think it is any of those things. This is, you look at the returns on capital here, this is a poor quality business. It's run with a whole heap of debt. And I agree that waste collection can be resilient to an extent and it benefits from scale because you're sending these trucks out and to add another street or add another suburb, mm -hmm. Um, you can actually make additional margin by collecting more routes along the way, but it is fiercely competitive. Margins are really, really small. You're up for tender every year. Um, so it's a really tough business and it is cyclical. We, we, we forget this in Australia because we haven't seen a recession, but our experience from overseas operators is that um, waste volumes are cyclical. In a growing economy, it generates more waste yeah, well, and a shrinking economy generates less. And you will see these earnings reflect that cyclicality um, eventually when the downturn comes. Um, the other thing is we bought this in the past when it had was loaded with debt and it was shedding assets and generating lots of free cash flow. It has, once again, sort of uh, seven years later, we bought this in what, 2017, 2018, all, all this time later, it is still probably has too much debt and it needs to be more conservatively run. Now it needs to get that debt because it doesn't generate high returns on capital, so you have to juice those returns with debt. Um, but that makes the whole thing very risky. I think this is expensive. It's not as good quality as it seems, and um, it's uh, aggressively run. This is a sell. I, I see no reason to own this. Would you sell it if you had it? Uh, in this market, yep. yes. Yep. Yes. So that's a sell. Interesting. And you've got to think labor costs as well as fuel yeah. costs fuel and costs everything is probably else the big one. Yep. would be yep. um, a potential. And their best margins come from the industrial business mm -hmm. and waste from industry. Um, that's the, the, the most cyclical part. So their highest margin part of the business mm -hmm. shrinks the most in a downturn. Interesting. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, let's get on to the next one, which is <coughs> EBOS Group. And this is for Michael. Anything in this one to attract you, Nathan? It is so boring. You've got to look at it. <laughs> um, uh, look, it's, it's, it is an interesting one because we looked at, um, we were in API when the bid came. Uh, made complete sense. I think we told you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, look, I, I like the sector. Um, I was looking at Sigma because yeah. one of the shops I used to work for um, did a big line on this uh, stock and it was really cheap and it's had a good run since then. Yeah. I like the whole sector simply because it's, you know, you get into an, a weak economic cycle, you separate who's discretionary and who's staple uh, in consumer spending and 
these pharmaceutical retailers tend to be a lot more stable rather than discretionary. Yeah, and so basically EPOS is like it's a provider of, of everything sort of health related, whether that be consumables. I think they also sort of um, supply professionals to the aged care sector. So it's quite... It's a distributor. Yeah. So it, it, it holds inventory um, and then delivers it to yeah. other retailers and, yeah. and, and providers. And, and if you look at, you know, everyone knows about Chemist Warehouse. You know, mm. they're, they're probably the best execution on the retail sales side. Yeah. And uh, so you can see how effective this model is. So we think it's, it is quite defensive uh, for the retail <coughs> sector. So I like this for a retail play. Uh, but again, you know, these are all cyclical. <laughs> they are cyclical. They are dealing with consumers. Uh, you're trying to get the money out of them in a high inflationary environment. It is cyclical. You will have downswings. And those are the times you buy these guys. So we bought into Sigma when it pulled back. We bought into API when it pulled back. And similarly, EBOS is interesting, but it doesn't trade as much. So that's it can be volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably that's the only thing. It's probably better managed than the other two. Uh, I think almost certainly better managed than the other two. That's why West Farmers took them over API. Um, in, in that context, I think you get that premium. But again, if you get a downswing in the economy, this will come off. Um, it won't come off as much as the other retailers, but it will come off. So again, this will be one for me over the next three months. I would nibble on it uh, because you build up a portfolio. I think the business management is good. I think the model is good. Um, I mean, West Farmers is telling you they're trying to get into this model. You've got to buy your way in. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get into that sector. So in that context, I, I like them. Uh, they are a good business and they're defensive business as much as you can be in this kind of economic cycle. Um, so I like it. But look, the next three, three to six months, it probably will underperform or go sideways. Um, if you are one of those ADHD people who are going to look at this every day going, oh, it's going down a bit, it's going down a bit, don't buy it. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at it over 12 months, 18 months, I think this is not a bad one. I think it's pretty solid business and it's going to be around. Okay, do you think that it could also be taken over because there is sort of yeah. a, you know, a, a yeah, territory uh, grab would, going on? It, it would not surprise me, and especially with West Farmers throwing that checkbook in, I think there'll be a few other people looking at diversifying their business model and this is a really good business if you can get into it. I don't know what you'd do with it if you took it over. With with API, I think there was um, potential to, they they had a a chemist chain and they had um, a a reasonable distribution business. There's stuff you can do with that and West Farmers was a good candidate for doing things with that. You can move things through that chain um, and there's an argument that API wasn't run as efficiently as it could have been. There's improvements you can make. These guys earn industry-leading margins, mm. extremely well-managed business. Um, the, the market leader, so you can't aggregate them with anyone else. I think you're limited in what you can do if you buy this. I'd be surprised if someone took, took this over. I don't think there's anything to squeeze out of it. It's such a well-run business already. Okay. This is far more profitable than it has any right to be. I was shocked at how I'll, much money this I'll makes. I'll throw this in, yep. random. Would you merge Chemist Warehouse and EBOS? That's interesting. I keep them separate. If I was an EBOS shareholder, I wouldn't necessarily True. want to merge them together. It's never the shareholder because obviously, yeah. but if you're management, yeah. you're putting two probably top of each of their cycle mm-hmm. together. That's an angry beast. Yeah. But you're also merging a distributor with a retailer, which I don't, I think that limits what you can do with, with each independently. Sure. Um, but interesting question, interesting question, yeah. And they both have similar models. I mean, this is just essentially a box mover. They, a distributor who gets stuff delivered and, and moves, moves yeah. them on, it's an effective outsourcing of inventory and working capital, which means these guys hold a lot of debt on balance and they have to move a lot of stock to generate smallish margins. I think in an inflationary environment, that can be high risk. And the debt levels and working capital levels have worried me in the past. It's recently demand a much higher margin of safety on this. Like our buy price on this is way off where the current price is. But I still think if you're holding this stock, you can um, sensibly hold it and you probably do better than the market. I think it's a really good business. Management clearly know what they're doing. But I think it does carry an unusually high level of risk because of that elevated inventory, working capital, Mm. debt situation. Um, So any hiccup there can be painful. But if there was a hiccup, I'd be all over this. This yeah. is this is one on, the, on that, the watch that, list. I think that's the advantage of it because yeah. it is so well run and such a good machine mm-hmm. that when the cycle turns, this will have such a good run. 
that you're willing to take the risk that you might fall down a bit. Awfully expensive though, Maytha. It's, yeah, but it's, it's going to be. Yeah. I think it's I was one of surprised at the price. Yeah. yeah. Compared to the others, it's it's a significant premium. It always has been, it even has with been. the liquidity. Yeah. And you sit there and go, but then the simple answer is, there's a reason why, because it's run so much better. Mm. And so, it has yeah. more scale. And they're, yeah. they're able to... So they recently bought Life Healthcare, which is an okay business, but I think inside that, that channel, it can probably do a bit better. So they can add things in, and improve them. So yeah, it, it's a hold, solid hold. Okay, got it. Thanks, guys. Now, New Hope <coughs> is on the list here. So New Hope, what do you think? Uh, Gaurav, you mentioned mm. call earlier. Would you be buying New Hope? The buy decision is really hard. We just had a meeting about it this morning and I was saying you could sensibly make a decision to buy, to hold and to sell. And um, I think there are, there's a reasonable investment case for all, th- all three options. Um, New Hope is probably the pick at the moment of the coal miners because last week the um, New Ackland expansion, which is a uh, expansion of a, of a Queensland mine that New Hope has run for many years, that was approved after 15 years um, <laughs> in, in waiting. Uh, so they got the final approval. So the, the simple calculation is with about $300 million of upfront capital, these guys should be generating over a billion dollars in EBITDA. Um, almost double that at current prices um, within sort of 12 to 18 months. So it's a very, very good return on capital. Um, it it impro- increases their production by about 50%, so it's material, and it will increase free cash flow um, even more than that. Um, but it's it's a really well-run business. The best thing, um, if, if you're looking to buy it, is that it, you'll get your money back very quickly because New Hope is returning capital, has one of the largest franking balances on the ASX and is returning fully frank dividends as quickly as they can. I'm expecting some sort of off-market share buyback um, with a fully frank component um, uh, at, at the AGM potentially or, or with its result next year. Um, so I think you'll get your money back really quickly. For me, it's a hold. I don't think the sell case is as strong yet um, simply because you've got a new mine approved, um, n- not many analysts had any value attached to that. Certainly I had a zero attached to it. So um, that probably adds another $2 to the valuation or so. So I can see this getting to sort of eight or $9 pretty comfortably. Um, and until it gets there, I'm, I wouldn't be selling. So it's a hold for me. If you're super aggressive on coal, it even makes sense to pick some up now. I and mean, it's not overly expensive. It probably looks better than Whitehaven, better than the others at this point. So I'm gonna go hold, but mm-hmm. for those who are super aggressive on coal, um, this is the, probably the one to be in. Yeah, I don't want to go against Gaurav on call. That does not have a very high track record. Yep. Um, in saying that, look, if you haven't worked out that call is running, um, you need to get out of the rock. Um, so reality is it's done well, it's doing great, supply demand dynamics, energy prices overall are doing well. Um, I, I've been on the case that you want to be rotating within the energy sector. Mm. I think the dynamics of the energy sector is solid and that's probably supply demand dynamics that's going to play out well for it for a while to come. So I'm moving from within. So if you were had coal stocks, I'd be saying you take some profit off that and go into other energy potentials. So everyone's jumped onto EV. That's probably outperformed everything. Uh, you know, uranium is t- turned around. There's a lot more uh, demand coming through, new places looking into it. So for me, uranium looks good, a bit more on the uh, specky side. Then you look at oil and we've been long Karoon for that. Um, I mean, even in our, fa- our fantasy portfolio, mm-hmm. we have um, Saul Pattinson, you can get their coal exposure through. You get um, probably Woodside is probably the high quality LNG play. So there's a number of different ways you can play that energy sector. So I would diversify your exposure. Um, if you've been there, you've done well, well done. Um, and I would say diversify, protect your uh, what you've done. If you're putting fresh money, look at look at why you're buying it. You're buying it for the whole energy thematic. Um, and I think New Hope, Grab's right, that mine will add a bit more. And I think it probably looks a bit better than Whitehaven at this point. But they both have had such a big run. Everyone's made a lot of money. So you just got to balance your portfolio. If you haven't got any exposure, would I be jumping in and buying it fresh? Probably not because so much money has gone in mm-hmm. recently. And so there's a lot of hot money in there. I would look at other parts of the energy sector. So okay. I'm looking at uranium, I'm looking at oil, I'm looking at LNG. So, But look, if you're there, you can hold it. I think it still plays well, um, still churning out a lot of cash. 
um, there's, you know, three quarters of the world is still in an energy problem. So I don't see that turning around in, the, in six months or 12 months. It's not easy anymore. We had to buy on this at $3 yeah. and watched it go to $2, bought some more, watched it go to $1 exactly. and bought some more. We, we've argued this <laughs> at yeah. every pullback saying, should we add? And so like, yeah, I don't know what, I, honestly, I can say, I cannot value this stock. And so you sit there and go, because you don't know what the future core price could be. Mm-hmm. I can see over the next year or two, it's going to be pretty well supported. What happens after that, I don't know. If you think that the cycle changes and we go towards EV, then you will see reduction. It's the market is not at the moment has any confidence in going from what's happening in the short term to what's happening in the long mm-hmm. term. So if the market doesn't know, I don't know. And anyone who's trying to guess has got it wrong. Yeah. That's why I say play the thematic. Don't get sucked into one. Just play the whole thematic. The EV thing, it, EV is a threat to oil. They're both transport fuels. EV, if anything, it should juice up demand for thermal coal because how are you going to, well, when you plug your electric vehicle, where do you think the power comes from? And like, I think well, that's how are you going to generate that power? And I think that's that's yeah. the big thing, right? The big block energy play mm. is still, the market does not have I'm going to put it out there, it. okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive hate mail for this, but EV is a mirage. It is an environmental mirage. There are very few benefits from um, environmental benefits in terms of resource intensity between an EV and an irregular powered, uh, um, um, you know, conventional. Unless powered. we were getting all that power from renewables. It, well, even if you are, even if you are, even you if still you have are, to mine the stuff very, out of the ground close. to get into the renewables. We don't have time yeah. for this debate. <laughs> I'm very sorry, but I do take your it's point. A, it's a scale game. It is something time. that, uh, yeah. I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's it's the most, people have just got this wrong. They uh, don't well, understand. It, no. off, off air, we'll talk because yeah. I'd love to know mm. when you think that then that bubble might burst. Mm. But anyways, we we have to move on for the purpose of this show. My producers yelling at me in my ear. <laughs> okay, so the uh, stock of the day is South 32. Um, look, they both really like it. Gorov wants to buy it cheaper. Do you have a price? I think we've got uh, about three bucks okay. or somewhere around three dollars. All right. Um, Nathan's not jumping in right now either, although it's amongst his top five miners to gain exposure to. Now, Illumina, very high quality. AWAC is what it's all about. It's a slow buy for Gorov. It's a nibble for Nathan. Um, you know, close to the bottom, but all the bad news is out there. It's pretty beaten up, so it's actually looking pretty attractive. Gorav is sticking by his buy on Credit Corp. Doesn't matter what that chart's doing, he's still buying it. Shots. He does Please think <laughs> <laughs> there is sensible risk management. He reckons it will do well in this cycle. Nathan disagrees. He says, why buy it? Um, it's a shocking sector. It doesn't matter if there's good management. He does not see it as a big cyclical play. Clean away. Look, Nathan recognizes that he has no advantage in seeing how the dynamics of this business will play out. Risk mitigation, he doesn't see it happening there. And it's a sell for Gorov because he just thinks that it's risky, it's expensive, it's got a lot of debt. When it comes to EBOS Group, they both like it. They both say that it's very well run. Um, but again, uh, Gorov is going to hold. Um, it's illiquid, so potentially even difficult to get into when you want to. But if you're a long-term investor and you can get into it, it's a nibble. It's pretty defensive for the retail sector. But again, Nathan says, keep in mind, you can't ignore the cycle altogether. All consumer-related stocks have the potential to be hurt. And you just heard them talking about New Hope. So that is a steady hold for both of my expert guests. Well, that was great. You heard Nathan referring to the high conviction fund that we run here. It's picked by the investment committee of which Nathan is a member. You can check that out on osbiz.com.au. Here's a portfolio. We took out Ardent Leisure last time. Bapcor was trimmed, added Washington H. Soul Pat. Insitec Pivot was trimmed as well. (laughs) Seek was added to the portfolio with its funded weighted I should say funded by that, um, yeah, Ardent Leisure sell in Insitec Pivot trim. So in terms of performance, up 2.5, oh, sorry, 0.25%. I was going to say, wow, <laughs> on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March 1st. But that's not so bad. Our committee is actually meeting very soon. So uh, look, none of these guys will be put to the investment committee as far as I can tell. So nope, they won't be. So let's see if we can get to some of them in the second half of the program. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted 
trade for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Umedia is on the list. Prophecy, International Holding, HTE, AGL Energy, and New Century Resources. So let's begin with Umedia. This is for Simon. Nathan, does cyclicality slow down in the economy factor into your thinking on Umedia? Yeah, look, it does, but I like it. Um, I like the media sector because a lot of the, um, the, I suppose, the weaker retailers and the media sector took the hit for a recession a lot earlier than the rest of the market. Yep. So they've already taken that bashing. Um, so that got us interested. Um, and, you know, we've jumped into a few of those. We were in Omedia and um, Southern Cross. And then we jumped into Nine Entertainment as well because of the pullback in the sector. So I think the overall sector thematic is quite interesting for me. Uh, I think it's been beaten up. Um, look, you've already seen RBA pivot, even though I think that's a mistake. Um, they are going to pivot. Um, you know, they don't, um, as I said, they don't look at property prices, but they do pump it. So they will um, support it. They will hold it together. Consumer spending will we, is weakening. Sentiment is weak. Um, and I suspect <coughs> we're going to get that recovery um, gradually coming through. I still think the Aussie economy still holds up better than most. So if I wanted to look at someone, I would look at the domestic economy. They're going to hold up. And our media is outdoor media. It's, it's unique. Um, most of its competitors have been taken over. So it is an interesting play in, um, in, in the media space, yep. advertising. And it's buy, really hold, good. or sell. I'm it's sorry. It's really good for the online play. So for me, it's a buy. Buy. Buy, hold, sell. We've got to whip through some of these. Yeah, we have to whip through these. Um, the problem is they've diluted their shares on issue during um, the COVID crash. Mm -hmm. They doubled their shares on issue. Even if you assume normalized margins, it's still not cheap enough because of all those extra shares. Um, it, look, I'm, I'm going to go with hold, but my, my bias is towards a sell here. I, I wonder if this is as good a quality as I thought it was. I'd much rather pick up Seven West Media, which is equally exposed to media, looks way better, better balance sheet. Um, and then better buy. Well, I think it only makes sense then, I'm going to switch the order here that we go to HT and E yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. right? Mm. Because I had a conversation last week, this is for Peter, mm. and uh, Peter asks exactly what they were talking about, dividend stock. Is mm. HT and E good for income? Is that enough reason to, to yeah. be buying it or holding it? Look, I, I, can see, I can see why this would look like a good income stock because it generates really good cash flow and it has surpassed certainly my expectations and I think most people's ex expectations. It is now a almost pure radio business now and it owns a radio platform as, as well as radio stations. They all generate good cash flow and so the returns from here are pretty reasonable. So look, there's an argument to be made that this you can actually get, get good dividends out of this. I, I would say that, the, that radio and advertising generally, you're dealing with cyclicality and, and generally you don't want to be relying on dividends from a cyclical business. Mm -hmm. So I think you can extract good dividends from this in the short term, but over time you should expect to see earnings move around a lot. Um, it's, it's better than I thought it was. It's done better than I thought. I'm going to go hold. Mm -hmm. I still have questions about the longevity of radio. They're doing some things in digital that are interesting, but I think need to be tested. Um, but it's, it's certainly more interesting than I thought. And, and I think that's a legit question about the dividend because it, it certainly doesn't look cyclical <laughs> yeah, right. and it's generating very good cash flow so I'm going to go hold. Yeah, it's, look, um, I like the sector. HD1 is probably not in my top three. Uh, I like Southern Cross on the similar kind of exposure better. Yeah, but the, okay. real, but okay. the reality is, I think, yeah, it's that when you start to say dividend and cyclical sectors, you've got to be careful. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is in your portfolio, you need to match um, sectors that are not correlated together so that it evens out your risk return. So when some sectors do better in a bad cycle, some sectors do really well in a good cycle so that overall your dividend yield holds up. So that's the, you know, one of the key mm -hmm. thematics you need to understand if you're looking for a dividend stock. I think it plays to what it is. It's a cyclical sector that's giving you good returns and relatively well managed. Um, it'll go down with market and it'll come back with market and I'm happy with it. So in that context, you know what you're getting, but the risk with the economy is high. But I think it's good. I think it's solid. And if you diversify your dividend yield stocks, then overall, I think it holds up quite well. So it's a hold? Yeah, it's a hold for me. Uh, actually, I'll say it's a buy. It's, it's a, a buy. buy. I like the sector. Mm. It's a buy. Thank you. Now let's get to Prophecy International Holdings. This is for Paul. P-R-O is the ticker code. So it's software solutions. Um, and I don't know really a lot about the company. I mean, is this a company that you would be investing in? Yeah, it's a tough one for this market. Uh, it's a micro cap. 
Um, it's got the bingo words. Uh, Cyber security? Uh, yeah. I mean, when I saw this, and yeah. I went, I can just imagine Gaurav's face. Um, and so <laughs> it's going to be tough in this market. Yeah. And you don't buy this stock right now. Um, you keep an eye on it. I like the thematic, but it's a tough one. So you're not buying this now. Keep an eye on it. They've got some good deals, but look, the market's not paying for it. And when things go wrong in microcap land, it can go wrong yeah. pretty quickly. So it's not liquid. So now is not the market for you to punt on this. But the thematic is interesting. There's a number of stocks there. People have lost money trying to punt on this. So don't jump on a micro cap yet. Let it prove itself. Yeah. Why, why would you need to rush out and buy Prophecy International Holdings? You could argue that this is a really hated part of the market now. And it probably makes sense to start looking in this, in this area. But this particular business I'm not sure about. It's only $15 million in market cap. It's been around since 1980. Mm -hmm. This is not a new company. It's had a long time to establish itself. And the fact that it's A, unprofitable, B, makes tiny, tiny cash flows, and C, only $50 million, it doesn't really tell you that they've got a hot product that's scaling and growing. In fact, um, over the course of this company's history, it's, um, it's bought and sold uh, different solutions, different products. And it seems to me a business in search of a purpose mm -hmm. rather than a business that solves a problem and then trying to monetize that solution, you know, which is the way I try and look. If, if I'm looking at a small cap, I want a business that has solved a problem yep. um, and has solved it better than anyone else. That's the telltale sign of a great business. This is a, a good organization, I would say, with, with what appears to be sensible management, looking to, to buy bits and pieces and, and build a business, which I think is the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, my biggest problem is they announce huge ARR, annual recurring revenues. Well, this is where the conversation started today, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, and this is true for so many software businesses. They always announce all these big ARRs and you go to the cash flow and there's no cash flow. Yeah. And I, I actually think there's got to be, like Dubber is a good example, right? There's so many businesses that are hyper aggressive with their accounting treatment. There are no very few rules. It's a light touch. You have a lot of discretion about how to recognize revenues. So you can be very aggressive in your ARR recognition and none of that comes through on cash flows. And I, and I, look, I don't know, I don't know this business well enough. I don't want to cast dispersions, but there's a lot of ARR. There's not a lot of cash flow. Yeah. I don't know what else to think. Um, it's a sell for me because um, I, I'm not, no one should be buying software businesses where the cash is not coming in. Now, I know that the company is emphasizing cash collection. They've talked about it in their presentations. So maybe if there's some improvement on that front, yeah, you could look mm -hmm. at it again, but until that happens, we need to see cash through the door. The days of shareholders Show funding, me the money <laughs> that's comes it. to mind. Sing it, sing it, well, the, the problem that's is when you're, when you're that small, and if you get, if you can't execute already, yeah. the risk is just too high. Yeah, okay. and no one's going to fund you anymore. All right, guys, sorry. No, um, no, AGL. No, no, no. Yep. Oh, this is we easy. know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just going to say buy, hold, or sell. Gorev. Sell hard, sell fast. Buy, hold, Don't or sell. Like Nathan. It's too hard, sell. Sell. Oh, it's easy. Sell. It's not hard. <laughs> it's hard Too to hard basket. All right, let's get to New Century Resources. We're back to the resources space. <laughs> this is for John. John, your lucky last. Nathan, what do you think of New Century? Yeah, uh, look, in a commodity cycle uh, where there's a boom inflation play, um, you've got winners and losers. And if you're going to pick a loser uh, who's underperformed, you better buy a big one that's underperforming than a small one uh, because you buy a big one, you've got the balance sheet, you've got the dynamics, you've got to play through that. Uh, look, I think it's interesting, but I think it's just too hard in this market. I think when you've got recession play coming, most commodities will struggle. I'm looking at the diversified guys. We talked about the, the big five mm -hmm. and I'm looking at them. They're the first ones to look at. And if they're underperforming, they're struggling, well, I'm not touching the smaller guys. And you know, all said and done, you're picking a sing single commodity. So you've got to be really tough on that. And if copper is underperforming, and I said copper is underperforming gold, and everyone hates gold, and copper is underperforming gold, mm -hmm. that is telling you something about the commodity cycle. So you've got to be really careful. Um, I'm not jumping into uh, resources at the moment. It's a crowded trade. I am looking at the big, big five. And if you want to pick, pick from the big five. Because you your downside risk is less, and you can ride through the cycle. And they give you multiple exposures, plenty of ponies to run. If one of them runs, they recover. Mm -hmm. So it's just too hard at the moment. I, I would not be jumping into this That's one. an avoid. What about you? This one came up um, a couple of months ago when I was on. Uh -huh. And um, I was pretty scathing of it then. But the price has fallen about 40% or more than 40% since then. And I think once the price falls, you should reassess your view a little bit. That can change. So 
Let's just quickly summarize. They are um, trying to reprocess tailings from the Century Mine. Century is a very famous zinc mine. It's made billion dollar businesses uh, in the past. It's huge, but it's, it's, um, it's exploited. And they're now trying to repress ta reprocess tailings, which is not a great business. You don't make a huge amounts of money reprocessing someone else's waste. Um, so they're only doing that for cash flow, and then they want to invest that cash flow in other mining opportunities they have. They've done a good job operationally so far. Been in, they've done reasonably well in the tailings job. Um, they're only at pre-feasibility stage in one of their mines. I would never buy something pre-feasibility. You just don't know what you're getting or what you're dealing with. Management's word is not really worth very much in, in a little business, so you've got to actually see the study. But I would wait. Wait to see this, um, this copper study, see what, they, what they've got, what they're dealing with. They're well capitalized. Um, they're generating good cash flow. Um, they've done a good job operationally, so clearly they know what they're doing operationally. That's a very easy thing to stuff up, uh, reprocessing of tailings. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a it's a hard job. You've got to do, do it very well. You've got to control costs, and they've done a good job. So I'm going to go hold this time. Okay. With the share price down um, and the cash balance up, it's a hold. Cash is king. Yeah. All right. You know, um, I like, you know it's a bear market. I like show me the up. cash better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, guys, thanks. That brings us to the end and not too bad in terms of time Jeez, either. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that we didn't need to spend a lot of time on AGL. What about you? <laughs> Should we revisit it? I don't know. Yeah. I feel so we, one word. I don't think we want to get sued. No, no. We've got sell. All right. Let's get to O Media. Now, this is a buy for Nathan. He likes it. He likes the media sector, in fact. Um, look, be careful buying any media company or any cyclical company for dividends. It's just not cheap enough for, um, you know, for, for Gorav to be buying. So I think it would be a hold. HT&E, it's a buy for Mathan. Again, he likes it, but he would say that you should be diversifying your exposure in the media space. It's a hold. Again, it surpassed Gorav's expectations, but just be careful if you are buying it for dividends because they are cyclical. It is a sell for Prophecy International Holdings. Show me the money. They're not bringing in a lot, even from all these annual recurring customers and all that annual recurring revenue. It's an avoid for Mathan as well. Um, look, it's just a really tough, uh, tough area of the market right now as well. AGL is a sell from both of my guests and um, Gorab's revisited his rating on New Century. It's a hold, um, but it's still an avoid for Nathan, he just thinks if you're going to be in resources, you want to be with the big five. And that brings us, I suppose, right back to the beginning of the program. We've talked about resources a lot. It's been a pleasure to have you both here. Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. Thanks, Nadine. Thank you. And Nathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. We'll see you for the investment committee a little bit later this week, I do believe. All right. Uh, well, I've got some questions to put to my small caps in focus in the next program. What problem are you solving? is what uh, Gaurav Sodi wants to know and can you do it better than your competitors in the space? We've got John Melke from Genetic Signatures and Gavin Coote from Hydrix joining us next. Mm -hmm.